Welcome to Season 9 of American Political History, Wars Within Wars, A Sputtering End. For the next few years, England and Spain would attempt to enforce their current ceasefire on their colonies and the native nations around them. In the fall of 1725, the war became hot again. The creek would mount a major offensive into Yamasee-controlled northern Florida. South Carolina would stand on the sidelines, not daring to take an action that would break the peace between England and Spain. The creek snuck in at night and pillaged Yamasee villages, even defeating a Spanish cavalry unit. Spanish Florida considered the Creek Nation to be under the sphere of influence of South Carolina. As such, they blamed them for allowing the Creek to attack Spanish Florida. Spain encouraged Florida Native nations to attack South Carolina in retaliation for the Creek's attacks. The Yamasee, Guale, Cusado, Tumacua, and Appalachie would conduct raids into South Carolina in hopes of forcing Carolina to pull back from Fort King George. In just a few years of neglect, Fort King George was in disarray. A report from Captain Messy said that living conditions were miserable and unhealthy, noting that in six years, 130 men had died of disease while garrisoning the fort. During the summer of 1727, Florida natives would attack and destroy the plantations of the Dawsons, Henry, Fergusons, Mushu, Hezekiah, and Wood families. Once again, those living around Charlestown would be forced to hold up in fortified plantations living five to six families at a time. South Carolina came to realize they could not fully fund their defenses, but they could fund a strong offensive strike in Florida, blunting those native nations' willingness to attack them. In September of 1727, South Carolina sent an expedition to strike the Yamasee at their homes deep within Florida. This was technically a breach of the peace between England and Spain. If the king was not favorable to such an action, severe consequences could be levied against the colony's leadership and the colony itself. The expedition was under the command of Colonel Palmer and consisted of 107 South Carolina militia along with 100 native warriors from the nations close to Charlestown. Colonel Palmer had no intentions of assaulting St. Augustine's defenses. He embraced the native tactics of walking past forts and destroying the soft targets of the villages. Their mission was to kill and capture as many Yamasee as possible, burn their homes, and destroy all their food stores for the year. When this expedition arrived outside St. Augustine, the Amasee scouts had alerted the population to evacuate just prior to its arrival, but the expedition was able to destroy many villages and everything stored within them before successfully returning to South Carolina. In the spring of 1728, the war would come to an end. There was no formal peace treaty, parade, or triumphant speeches. It just sputtered out. Carolina expected retaliatory strikes for the Palmer expedition but none ever came. Emperor Brims began discussing a normalization of relations with South Carolina. In April of 1728, the trade embargo on the Creek Nation was lifted. South Carolina was collapsing into bankruptcy. In 1729, the British government purchased the proprietor's shares of the South Carolina colony, formally making it a royal colony. Robert Johnson would be appointed governor. In 1731, the colony began to pay its debts back including a decade later finally paying their soldiers who had fought in the Yamasee War. The Yamasee never stopped viewing the English as their enemy. They never sought compromise or thought to give in to the inevitability of making peace with South Carolina. In 1763, when the Spanish left Florida at the end of the French and Indian War, the remaining Yamasee would immigrate to Cuba, others to Veracruz, and others yet to Mexico. 
The creek, for generations, would tell a tall tale of the elusive, remnant band of Yamasee who lived in the marshes of northern Florida, the boogeyman of the times. At the end of the war, there were two major cultural changes. The Indian trade would never be allowed to get out of hand again. The less obvious at the time was a shift in plantation agriculture from native slaves to African slaves. In 1700, 5% of households owned a native slave, and on the eve of the Yamasee War in 1714, 26% of South Carolina households owned at least one native slave. Before the Yamasee War, the South Carolina colony imported between 20 and 50 African slaves annually. By the end of the war, in 1730, South Carolina was importing 500 to 600 African slaves per year. A decade after the war ended in 1740, that number exceeded 2,400 African slaves per year. The Yamasee War marks the end of native slaves being the predominant labor force for southern plantation, and begins the era of the Negro slave labor being the predominant source of slave labor until the American Civil War. And one afterthought. Native slaves were not simply freed after the Yamasee War. The majority of native slaves were women and children. The majority of African slaves were men. Over the ensuing decades, the expressed ethnicity of these people would be considered black. But the heritage of native slaves is alive today, in the Americans, who would eventually be free from the bonds of slavery. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.